Hey, hoop ballers, are you into sports betting? Do you want to know why a certain game has a funky line? Well, HoopBall has you covered. Today in sports betting is a great addition to all your handicapping questions with hosts Ira Silver and Devin Ellington. We break down game lines and future bets on all sports and try to make some money along the way. Follow us on Twitter at HoopBallGaming, at Ira Silver Magic, and at D-A-L-E-007. And download Today in Sports Betting in the App Store, Google Play, and available on Spotify. It's Tuesday, June 20th. Do you know what day it is? It's today. Sports bet. Hello and welcome to Today in Sports Betting. I'm your host, Doug Reed. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug underscore Reed 34. And if you haven't already, please check out our website at sportsethos.com. A lot of information there, ton of information across every major sport, a lot of non-major sports as well, whether you're into wagering, whether you're into fantasy, whether you're into DFS, podcasts for every sport, every angle, number of individual team podcasts. If you remember, we've got a ton of information on the upcoming NBA draft this Thursday, a lot of player profiles, comparisons ton of information that I think you'll find interesting and useful. Again, whether you're into wagering, uh, fantasy, or uh, DFS. Ton of ton of stuff, free stuff. You can get some very cheap memberships as well. And I think it will be worth your while. Now, before we get into the cards, just 15 games on the Major League Baseball slate, which you're going to hear a lot of that from me lately. Going to get into some NFL uh, in the upcoming weeks, going to get into some college football, hopefully, and many more things, but pretty much Major League Baseball right now. Before we do, though, let's go back and find out some interesting facts on this day in sports history. In 1980, if you're into boxing, which we don't really cover on this uh, show, this is the second boxing highlight we've had in two days. Roberto Duran beat Sugar Ray Leonard uh, by unanimous decision. 1980 to win the welterweight champion uh, title. I don't know if that was the first or the second of their three matches. And the third one, uh, the famous no mas, when Duran came out and said no mas, uh, no more in Spanish, uh, which is kind of what he was remembered for. But he was a fantastic boxer, as was Sugar Ray Leonard. 1982, Pete Rose became the fifth player in Major League Baseball to play 3,000 games, joining Ty Cobb, Stan Musial, Hank Aaron, and Carl Yastrzemski. Very impressive uh, number for a guy who, love him or hate him, he's a polarizing figure, but he should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Again, a conversation for another day, but I think he should be. 1993, in the NBA, the Chicago Bulls won their third straight title with a 99-98 win over Phoenix in Game 6, and Michael Jordan won his third straight uh, MVP. 2006, the Miami Heat beat the Dallas Mavericks in Game 6, 95-92 to win their first title. And the MVP was Dwayne Wade. Seven years later, those same Miami Heat beat San Antonio, 95-88 in Game 7 to win back-to-back titles. And LeBron was, once again, the MVP for the second straight season. And in 2019, Zion Williamson, who is talked about a lot, rumored to be traded in the next couple of days. I actually think he will. He was the first overall pick. 
uh, to New Orleans and uh, has been, I'd say a bust because when he plays, he's been, been good, uh, very good. And if he can stay healthy, the guy's got, I think, a great career ahead of him. Um, definitely a player who can succeed in the modern day NBA, but has just had, Hasn't been able to stay healthy. Yeah, there seems to be some off-court stuff with how committed he is. But uh, regardless, sounds like he's going to be traded. I think it would be a good trade for them, a good move to move on from him and kind of get the direction of the franchise changed from banking on him coming back. But regardless, uh, 2019, Zion went number one overall from Duke. With that, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get to the Diamond where there are 15 games, some great games, I think. But we're going to take a quick break and come back. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, welcome back. Major League Baseball, we start at 640 in the East from the Atlanta Braves are in Philadelphia. To continue their- when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Series with the Phillies. You can get the Road Braves at minus 145 in the money line. The home fills at plus 125. Total is 8.5. Juice to the over at minus 115. I'm actually surprised in that, given the two pitchers. But when you see some of the stats I'm about to give you, you realize why. Um, but I think this number is bang on. I, I, if anything, I might lean to the under. Um, but I'm not really on either side. Spencer Strider starts for the Braves, 78 and two-thirds innings, 4.12 ERA, which has been increased a fair bit lately, 1.13 whip. Ranger Suarez, the lefty, goes for the Phils, 37 and two-thirds, 3.82 ERA, and a 1.33 whip. Now, both these teams hit um, opposing, well, Atlanta hits lefties well, and Philadelphia hits righties well, and I think that's why the total is probably... Uh, juice to the over. Versus lefties, the Braves, their triple slash line, they hit batting average 301, first in the majors. 359 on base, second in the majors uh, against lefties. And slugging 545, first in the majors. And they are almost half a point or 0.45% ahead of the next uh, best slugging team in the majors against lefties. So they definitely hit lefties well. Flip that over, Philadelphia against Reddies, batting average 265, fourth best, 336 on base, second best, and 417 slug, 12th best. 
Uh, they've got Bryce Harper back, obviously, so that slug is slowly creeping up. So both teams hit opposing teams' uh, pitchers in, in, the, in the way they pitch well. Um, I just think two very good pitchers. Strider's been knocked around a little lately, uh, has struggled with his in his most recent outings, and when I pull up his recent game logs, sorry, just to pull this up here. Um, yeah, last game against Detroit, at Detroit of all teams, five innings, seven hits, five run runs, two walks, six strikeouts. Prior to that against the Mets, uh, four innings, eight hits, eight earned runs, two walks, and eight strikeouts. But the Braves won that game 13-10. And against Arizona before that, five innings, three hits, two earned runs, four walks, seven strikeouts. Braves have won all three of those games in typical Braves fashion, 12-2 and two in his starts this year. But he's getting hit a little more. And what I'm on in his last three games, seven strikeouts and six innings against Arizona. And he went 99 pitches. Against the Mets, four innings, eight strikeouts, 87 pitches. And against Detroit, five innings, just six strikeouts and 94 pitches. So he hasn't gone 100 pitches in the last three outings. He's gone 100 pitches um, five times this year. So they're not limiting him, but they're not letting him go much more than six innings or 100 pitches. And I'm actually on the Strider under eight and a half strikeouts on FanDuel. It's plus 108. You can get under nine and a half at a few places, but it's juiced up to, I think, minus 150, minus 160. So I'm on the FanDuel. Spencer Strider under eight and a half strikeouts. I just think Philadelphia hits righties well, and uh, he's been off the last few games. I mean, he's also off just to go out and throw up 11 or 12 strikeouts, but I like Philly to get to him a little bit, and I like them to not be able to strike out too much. Flip side of that, is Amon Ranger Suarez over his strikeout prop of four and a half. At FanDuel, it's at minus 120. And the reason being when I pull up his recent game logs is his last three games um, in June, seven innings against Washington, three strikeouts. Against the Dodgers, six innings, good offense, obviously eight strikeouts. And against Arizona, a red-hot offense just last week, seven innings, seven strikeouts. So I'd like him to be able to... I don't think he's going to necessarily slow down um, the Braves, but I like him to be able to get some strikeouts. He's also gone in his last three outings, 101, 103, and 105 uh, pitches. Seven innings, six innings, seven innings. So they're letting him go deeper in game as long as he's getting hammered. And I realize Atlanta can get to anybody uh, and score some runs. But I think he can get to that uh, strikeout prop, so he can get to five. And I'm banking on Strider at being eight strikeouts or less. I was considering the Atlanta run line. It's at plus 110, uh, but I just think both teams both both teams could put up some runs. Could be a high score. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game, and I'm, I'm not really sure which side to go to. If anything, I would lean to maybe the money line of Philly at plus 125, the way Strider's been um, struggling. And struggling is a relative term because he has not been pitching poorly uh, maybe the last couple outings he has. When I dig a little deeper on his numbers, here in the year 4.12, uh, but it's expected ERA 3.24, so he's definitely been unlucky. His FIP is also 3.33, so I think those recent numbers have really jacked up his ERA, but he's pitching much better than that. Ranger Suarez, on the other hand, 3.82 ERA, 4.13 uh, expected ERA, but 3.05, 3.06 FIP. So I would say you know, a little higher than the expected ERA, uh, an even better FIP. So he's probably pitching at or maybe even getting a little bit unlucky with his numbers. Regardless, two decent pitchers against two very good offenses. I like Strider to not go over the 
uh, eight and a half total strikeouts, and I like Suarez to go over the four and a half total strikeouts. Next game is an AL East battle, 6.40 p.m. in the East between the Orioles and the Tampa Rays. You can get the home Rays at minus 175 in the money line the road. Orioles at plus 150. Total here is eight, just the under at minus 115. Uh, so a bit of a pitching, a good pitching matchup, but Glasnow, especially for the Rays, has been dominant lately. For the Orioles, you get righty Kyle Bradish, 60 innings, 3.9 ERA, 1.27 whip, having a decent year. And Glasnow, who's just come back from injury, and 21 innings, 3.43 ERA, and 1.29 whip. Now, when I dig a little deeper, uh, Bradish, like I said, 3.9 ERA, but a 4.49 X ERA, expected ERA, and a 3.79 FIP. So maybe a little bit lucky, but not any red flags there. And Glasnow, on the other hand, really too early to tell. 3.43 ERA, but a 6.85 expected ERA and a 4.23 FIP. So that tells me some regression is definitely in the cards, but he has looked pretty good. And when I look at these teams against right-handed pitching, Tampa is uh, has been um, dominant against righties, slipping a little in the batting average, 259 overall, which puts them seventh. Uh, Baltimore is 254, which puts them ninth. On-base percentage uh, for Tampa is 336, which puts them number one in baseball. And Baltimore is – sorry, I thought I had that. They are uh, on-base percentage 320, uh, 317, which puts them 16, so kind of middle of the pack. And then slugging percentage, the Rays are still the best in baseball at 457. And Baltimore comes in against righties at 425. So the Rays have been crushing righties all year. And I think they get the Bradish, but I can't lay minus 175. Minus 120 on the run line, maybe. But when I look at those numbers, with some regression potentially coming in, in for Glasgow, now he's only pitched a few games, uh, three, uh, two at, sorry, three games. He's pitched well, but so it's it, it, it's hard to really read a lot into those numbers. There's a lot of regression coming. Who knows? He only had three starts. So I can't really get a feel there. I don't think Bradish is is somebody who's going to be able to slow down the Rays. So maybe, if anything, a, uh, a Tampa team run total, if you can get it at four, four and a half, maybe. But both these offenses have been doing well, obviously. They're first and second in the toughest division in baseball. So it's stay away from me. Should be a good game. I lean both. Uh, I lean Tampa, but not at minus one seventy-five. Just a little too pricey for me. Next game up is an AL Central battle, six forty in the East again at Detroit, where the Kansas City Royals continue their series. You can get the home Tigers at minus one fifty. I think I said yesterday you probably won't ever hear me say the Tigers are minus one forty-five favorites. And look at that, they're minus one fifty tonight. Probably going to be a trend for this series. The Road Royals at plus one thirty. Total here is eight and a half. Uh, juice to the over at minus one fifteen. Not going to be on either side there, but I am actually going to be on the Tigers run line at plus 130. I see 70% of the bets and 79% of the money coming in on the run line, so the bigger money leaning there. Uh, on the money line, I see 84% of the bets and 91% of the money, so obviously the big money leaning there. Just a little too much for me to play. If I'm on DraftKings and I can get a boost tomorrow, there's a 50% boost, uh, which they often do. Um May look at that as the game is uh, it's more of a bet against Kansas City. So on the hill for Casey is lefty 
Daniel Lynch, just 23 in the third innings, 5.79 year rate, 1.41 whip. But when I dig a little deeper, uh, his ear, expected ERA, 5.09. His, expect, his FIP is 5.38. So you can argue maybe a little regression, but those are still bad numbers. You know, at five, an over five year expected ERA and over five FIP are still bad numbers. Uh, and Kansas City just doesn't have the offense behind them to back it up. Mike Lorenzen, on the other hand, for Detroit, 66 innings, 4.23 ERA, 47 strikeouts, so not bad, and 1.09 whip. When I dig a little deeper on him, 4.43 expected ERA, so a little above his uh, current ERA, and a 4.55 FIP, so a little um, negative regression, perhaps, uh, in the cards there, but not something I'm really willing to bank on too much. And I just, I think Lynch, Lynch is a good prospect coming up, but I'm not really sure uh, that I get, I'm going to back him or especially the pitching matchup is probably a bit of a wash. Um, I like Lorenzen slightly, but Kansas City's offense has just been so anemic this year. Against righties, Kansas City has a... Uh, 228 batting average. Let me just start this here. 228 batting average. Uh, 26, so fifth worst in baseball. A 290 on base percentage against righties. That is the second worst only to Chicago. And a 373 slugging percentage is the fifth worst again. So they're not hitting anybody. We all know that. Lorenz has been doing decent. Decent. Is he in line for some regression? Maybe, but marginal numbers there. I like case. Uh, I like Detroit here. Don't want to lay 150. Like I said, if I can get some kind of DraftKings profit boost or some other boost somewhere, maybe. Uh, but I'm going to be on at FanDuel. I get sorry at, at uh, Scorebet. I got a plus 135. So shop around at FanDuel. It's plus 130 and plus, frankly, plus 125 or better. I like Detroit on the run line. They covered the run line tonight. Had him on the run line, so happy to jump in that bandwagon. Again, this is more of a fade of, of I think Lorenzen's a better pitcher than Lynch right now, but this is more of a fade of Kansas City's offense, who are struggling. And I don't necessarily think they're getting out of it tomorrow. And we move to an interleague game. Toronto Blue Jays are in Miami <clears throat> to continue their series against the Marlins, where they got thumped on Monday night. You can get the home Marlins at minus 115 in the money line. The road Jays at minus 105. Total here is 8.5. Juice to the under at minus 120. And I'm actually going to be on the over 8.5. And, and I got an even plus 100 <clears throat> on DraftKings. And I'll get to the why in a second. But for the Jays, they start Yusei Kikuchi. 4.31 ERA and 71 innings pitch, 1.37 whip. And for the Marlins, they start the young righty, Yuri Perez. 30, 35 innings, 1.8 ERA, 1.09 whip. However, when you dig a little deeper, so Kikuchi comes in with 4.31 ERA, 5.13 uh, expected ERA, 5.77 whip. So he has outperformed. He's not having a great year, and he's outperformed his numbers. Yuri Perez as well, 1.8 ERA, great numbers, young kid, looks fantastic, but a 3.77 ERA and a 3.90 whip. And when I look at who uh, Perez has faced, 
as much as there's a lot of hype around this kid, and he's looked really good, he started seven games, and the Marlins are four and three in those games. Cincinnati, when they were struggling back in May, Washington, average offense. At Colorado, he got hit kind of hard. Uh, against the Angels, five innings, two hits, no earned runs, good outing. At Oakland, when they were struggling, they won 12-1, five innings, four hits. Uh, against the Chicago White Sox, not a good offense, five innings, one earned run. And against Seattle, six innings, two hits, no earned runs. So he hasn't faced any really good offenses yet. And the Jays against right-handed pitching have a WRC plus of 113, the fourth best in the majors. Also, when I look at the Jays against right-handed pitching, uh, they come in with a batting average of, where are we here, Toronto, 264, the sixth best in the majors, an on-base percentage of 331, the eighth best in the majors, and a slugging of 427 against righties, which is 10th best. So top 10 against righties. Perez definitely outperformed his numbers because he's he's uh, faced some pretty weak competition. So a good pitcher, I'll give him that, but he hasn't really faced very stiff competition. On the flip side, Miami against lefties, which Yusei Kikuchi is, have a 118 WRC+, plus, the fourth best in the majors against lefties. And when you look at their numbers, they come in with a batting average of 301, which is the was it second best, tied for the best with the Atlanta Braves in baseball, 301, an on-base percentage of 350, which is third best in the majors, and a slugging of 443, which you wouldn't think of the Marlins of a slugging team, uh, a team with big uh, slugging percentage, but that's the sixth best in Major League Baseball against lefties. So the Jays hit righties well, Perez has outperformed his numbers. The Marlins hit lefties well. Kikuchi uh, has outperformed his numbers as well. So I think there's some regression, some negative regression for for both pitchers here. I think both offenses could get some runs. I kind of like the Jays at minus 105, even in the run line at plus 165. They just hit righties well. I think they have a better offense than the Marlins, but the Marlins have been doing well. And coming off yesterday's beatdown, um, I'm not really one to go with this kind of trend, but I often like the team that just got smoked to bounce back. So not sure I'm going to be on them. If this number gets to plus money, so right now the money line is minus 105, but the Jays get to plus 105, plus 110, I think I'd be on the Jays. But for now, I'm going to be on the over, 8.5. Got it at an even plus 100. It might even go lower, obviously, with that number. Uh, But if it gets down to 8, it's an even better deal. And definitely look at it if it gets down to 8. Next, next game is in New York, where the Yankees host the Mariners in probably what I think is a pitching, pitcher's duel of the night. 7-5 in the East. The home Yankees, minus 135 in the run line. The road Mariners, plus 115. Total here is 7, hence my pitcher's duel. Juice to the over at minus 115. On the bump for the visiting Mariners is George Kirby. 80.2 innings, 3.24 ERA, seven, uh, 6 walks, and 71 strikeouts. 6 walks in 80.2 innings. Very impressive. That's why he's got a 1.07 whip. Garrett Cole, 91 two-thirds innings, 2.75 ERA, 98 strikeouts, very impressive, and a 1.11 whip. And I'm not really on this game because I just think this is a great pitcher's duel. If anything, I might lean to the Mariners at plus 115 because the Yankees lineup is atrocious right now. But with Garrett Cole, he's apt to go out there and just shut them right down. So, um, 
not going to bank the, the Yankees for sure. Want to dig a little deeper. Uh, Kirby 3.24 ERA, 3.44 WHIP, 3.10 FIP. So not much to be read into those numbers. He's performing basically at his numbers. And Cole 2.75 ERA, expected ERA 4.02, and a FIP of 3.49. So you can argue he's outperforming his numbers. However, I'm not really going to go against Garrett Cole in New York. Uh, if anything, as I said, I'd lean the Mariners. If this number gets up to plus 120, plus 125, I think I'm on the M's. Kirby's just that good, and they, they uh, as I said earlier, the Yankees lineup is atrocious lately. Not that Seattle is all that much better. Uh, they are better right now, but uh, they've woken up a little bit lately. But can't really back either side here, so it's a stay away for me. 705 in East, we have... Chicago Cubs, Pittsburgh Pirates. You can get the Road Cubbies, minus 125 on the money line. The Home Pirates at plus 105. Total here is 8, just to the over at minus 115. Not on the side in this game. I do like Chicago. I like Stroman. Uh, don't know that I want to lay minus 125 on the road, though. Stroman comes in 91 and two-thirds innings, 2.45 ERA, 78 strikeouts. Doing his usual thing. Not missing a lot of bats. 33 walks is a little high for him, but 1.04 whip. So he is definitely not allowing a lot of runners and doing a good job. Oviedo, on the other hand, young righty, 75 and two-thirds, 4.40 ERA, 1.47 whip, and 71 strikeouts. Now, when I look a little deeper to Stroman, he comes in with a 3.72 expected ERA versus 2.45 ERA and a 3. 4-3 whip, so some negative regression expected. I just don't think Pittsburgh is the team that's really going to knock him around and get that negative regression. On the flip side, Oviedo, 4.40 uh, ERA, is at 4.05 whip and a 3 point, sorry, 4.05 expected ERA and a 3.80 FIP. So some positive regression potentially for him, but I like Chicago a little better. Pittsburgh's bats have been cooled. Chicago's been hitting well lately, or a little better lately, uh, but a minus 125. Don't really want to back them, so pretty much a stay away from for me here. The next game, 7-5 in the East, we have the Cardinals in Washington to face the Nats. You can get the road Cardinals at minus 145 on the money line, and the home Nats at plus 125. Total here is 9.5, juicy under at minus 120. And, <clears throat> excuse me. I actually got Washington earlier at plus 135 on DraftKings. So it's come down to um, plus 125. And we'll get to the pitching. We'll get to the pitching matchup, basically. Jordan Montgomery uh, is on the hill. It's battle lefties. Jordan Montgomery for St. Louis comes in 78 in the third innings, 3.91 ERA, 1.34 whip. Mackenzie Gore, the young lefty, 74 and two-thirds innings, 3.74 ERA, 1.38 whip. And that's due to his 87 strikeouts, so impressive, but due to his 32 walks in 74 and two-thirds innings. Now, when I look at Montgomery, a lot of people talk about he's a candidate for positive regression, and I don't don't buy it. 3.91 ERA, he's got a 4.10 expected ERA and a 3.62 FIP. So expected area worse, FIP a little better, maybe. But he's been inconsistent at best. And Mackenzie Gore, his issue is just he walks, obviously, he just walks too many uh, batters. 3.74 ERA, expected area 4.52, expected, or his FIP is 
4.15. So some negative regression expected there. But when I look at um, what they've done, what, what both these teams have done against lefties. So St. Louis against lefties, 246 batting average, 20th in the majors. Washington against lefties, 282, fourth best in the majors. Slug, uh, on base percentage against lefties, St. Louis, 318, tied for 18th. Washington, 341, tied for sixth. Slugging percentage, 404 for St. Louis, tied for 20th. For Washington, 420, tied for 14th. So Washington is sitting much better against lefties. Their WRC plus is 106, so 6% above league average. And St. Louis is 101 against lefties, so very good, or good, uh, 1% above league average. But Washington, everybody thinks Washington is in the Kansas City, um, Oakland range, and they're just not. They're not a great team. They're better than that. And St. Louis struggles against lefties. So as long as Gore can limit the walks, and, and, you know, he's going to have too many walks, obviously, 3.86 per nine he's averaging. As long as he can keep that under control and keep these bats of St. Louis uh, at bay, I think straight up he's a better pitcher than Montgomery right now. And I think the bats for Washington against lefties are uh, a better order than St. Louis right now. So I'm on, as I said, I got them at plus 135. It was plus 125 right now at DK. I would take them anywhere plus 120 or better. Uh, I think the Nats can win, and you're getting such a good price. Uh, I think that is the play for me. I'm also seeing most of the money. Uh, 28% of the bets coming in on Washington and 59% of the money. I think it opened about minus 140. Sorry, plus 140. And I said it's down about plus 125. So the money's coming in on the Nats. And I'm on that side. If you can get it anywhere plus 120 or better, I think that is the play. Next game is in Cleveland, where we have the Guardians hosting the surging Oakland A's. You can get the home Guardians at minus 225. So the market doesn't think the A's are surging. Uh, the A's at plus 190. Total here is nine juicy under at minus 115. And for Oakland, you get Ken Wallachuk on the bump. 59 two thirds innings, 6.64 ERA, 1.94 whip. Now his numbers are bad, 6.64 ERA, but expected a 5.73 ERA and a FIP of 6.61. So it's one thing, as I said many times, you look at bad numbers. Maybe there's some positive regression, but not really sure. Aaron Savali on the other side for Cleveland comes in just 27 innings, 2.67 ERA, 1.26 whip. I've never been a huge Savali fan, but um, he's also looking for some positive, some negative regression. 2.67 ERA, 3.96 expected ERA, and 4.2 whip. So I'm not on this game at all, but there's an argument to be made that Oakland is probably the play. They've been playing better lately. Uh, when I look at the money, I see 88% of the bets and 94% of the money of the bets on the money line coming in on Cleveland. But there's no way I can lay minus 225. I mean, their offense is weak, and uh, you know Medina is a bad pitcher. He's been struggling, but I don't really think I can get behind this. Now, when I see the total, the under is juiced to minus 115, but it seems there must be some. Reverse line movement because most of the money seems to be coming in on the over. 37% of the bets and 93% of the money on the over. That's a little early, obviously. And I don't see either of these offenses getting a lot of uh, runs. If Savali can pitch well, 
keeps it close. And sorry, I said Waldachuk. Uh, why did I say Waldachuk? I have Medina. I pulled up the numbers for Waldachuk. Pardon me. Let me do that again. And we don't need Waldachuk's numbers. We need Luis Medina, which are equally as bad. 7.55 ERA, 5.80 whip, 6.07 FIP. So maybe in line for some regression, positive regression, but he's still really, really bad numbers. So uh, I'm not in the game, but plus 190 for Oakland. If you want to take a bit of a lottery ticket tonight, I think that's a play because they've been playing better and I'm not a huge backer of Savali. So whether it's, uh, I see one site Medina, one site Waldachuk. I think it's Medina, but I'm not on the play on this game either. So it doesn't really matter to me, at least either way. The next game, we travel to the Great American Small Park in Cincinnati where the Reds host the Rockies. 7-10 in the East. You can get the home Reds at minus 165 in the money line. The Road Rockies plus 140. Total here is 9.5. Juice to the over at minus 115. I'm seeing 85% of the bets and 93% of the money come in on Cincinnati. Open at minus 155, down to minus 165. Too much, too much for me to lay here. Uh, On the run line, I see 75% of the bets and 94% of the money on the Reds. And that's where I'm looking. Right now, it's a plus 110 for the Reds. And I think you're going to be on that. Uh, this line is probably moving down. I see a score, but it's plus 115. That's probably what I'll jump on for the Reds at plus 115. And I guess the reason, well, the reason for the the total moving up is I'm surprised it's not at 10, actually. The last few games have been 10, 10 and a half in Cincinnati. Tonight's game went under 10. But for Colorado, the righty, uh, Noah Davis is on the hill. I saw Kyle Friedland earlier, but it looks like it's Noah Davis now. 11 just 11 and two-thirds innings, 6.17 area, 1.80 with made three starts in April, hasn't started since, or April, early May, hasn't started since. Ben Lively, the righty for Cincinnati, 42 innings, 4.07 area, 1.21 with just nine walks, 41 strikeouts, striking out uh, basically a battered inning. A lot of people have been calling for some regression from him, and I don't think it's unfounded, but a 4.07 area, 4.31 expected area, 4.58 whip. So maybe outperformed his, well, has outperformed his expected numbers, but marginally. His last few starts uh, against Kansas City's last outing, five and two thirds, 10 hits, two earned runs. Now, Casey's not a good offense, but uh, no walks and four strikeouts. Got hit hard by St. Louis before that, ten, uh, six and two thirds, though, 10 hits, four, uh, seven earned runs. One walk, eight strikeouts, but gave up three home runs. Before that, against Milwaukee, seven innings, six hits, five earned runs, three walks, five strikeouts. But the problem there, gave up another two home runs. Before that, against Boston, impressive outing at Boston, no less. Five and two-thirds, four uh, hits, no earned runs, two walks, and six strikeouts. And the key to me, the key to this game, I think, is any game where Colorado's on the road. Cincinnati's been playing well later, uh, lately, uh, hitting well, but Colorado on the road is just atrocious. Against righties on the road, Colorado has a WRC plus of 78, so 22% below league average, which is 27th in the majors. So I don't think Noah Davis is going to be uh, Davis is going to be long for this game, and Ben Lively has been inconsistent, but pitched well against the the weaker teams, and I think he can hold the Rockies at bay. 
a little beat up with Charlie Blackman out, Chris Bryant out. Um, and I don't really see them being able to get to Lively for a ton of runs. So at minus 165, I'm not going to be on them. But at plus 110, I think you're going to be on Cincinnati here uh, on the run line. And Sorry, plus 115. I saw that score bet. But regardless, plus 110 or better, I think I'm on. I'm going to be on uh, Cincinnati money line, or run line here. Next game is in Minnesota, where the Twins continue their series against the Red Sox. The Red Sox won and covered, and James Paxton covered the uh, out prop for me tonight. You get the home Twins at minus 140 on the money line. The Rogue Red Sox at plus 120. And the under, the over here, the total here is 8.5, but uh, just to the over at minus 115. Now, as an aside, and uh, totally irrelevant to this game, but... A lot of people love the narrative of fading teams who play on Sunday night because they figure it's a late night game. They got to travel and play the next day. So Boston not only played Sunday night against the Yankees, but they played a doubleheader. So they played in the afternoon and they played at night. And they had to travel to Minnesota. And a lot of people, I, I just don't buy these narratives in pro sports. Now, Boston was traveling to Colorado or the West Coast or down to Houston or Texas, maybe. But the flight from Boston to Minnesota ain't that far. And it's a, it was an evening game on a Monday, and they were traveling out of uh, New York. James Paxton was the starter. James Paxton wasn't pitching, obviously. For all you know, he was already probably in Minnesota, uh, the way teams work things now. And... Uh, the Red Sox hit very well against righties, and Minnesota hits very poorly against lefties. So I, I handicapped it at that, and I know a lot of people thought that because of that Sunday night game, that trend, that the Red Sox should have been favored. And it opened up at about minus 110, and it got up to – sorry, sorry. The Red Sox opened at plus 110 underdogs, got to plus 125 through most of the day on Monday. And I was on a plus 120. I was on a plus 110. Then I was on again a plus 125. And Paxton pitched well, gave up a three-run home run to Sanchez. But other than that, uh, didn't allow much. And the Red Sox rolled. So my point to that, this rant, is I'm not a big believer in these narratives. You know, you, the, you play Sunday night, you got to fade a team the next day. Not if they have an East Coast to East to Central uh, travel. And you know what? Traveling from New York to Minnesota, they actually gained an hour. Not a big deal either. But if you're traveling from the East Coast to the West or West Coast to the West uh, to the East or, or, you know, the Northeast down to Texas or something, maybe. But when you're staying relatively close, short flight, I don't think it's that, a, that big a deal. You know, these are pro athletes. They're used to this. Um, Paxton went, what, six and a third. So I, I had the over of 17 and a half outs. So I thought he would go at least six innings, which he did. They're going to try and stretch them out, protect their bullpen. They protected some of their arms on Sunday anyways. So um, it was a win, not to pat myself in the back too much. But my point is I don't really believe a lot of these narratives you hear out there that this trend, this trend, this trend. Look at the games, analyze them what you think uh, uh, what, with your own rationale, and don't necessarily be caught up in the hype of some kind of fit not fictitious, but some kind of record that people love promoting. Uh, it, it, sometimes it works, um, but I think if you're getting a good matchup, which we got on Monday, that makes sense to you, then bet the matchup you like. 
Anyways, back to the game. Minnesota, minus 140 in the money line. And Boston, plus 120. Total here, 8.5. And for the Sox, we get young righty Cutter Crawford. 42 thirds innings, 4.2 ERA, 1.13 whip. And actually underperforming his numbers. So uh, 4.2 ERA, but 3.1 unexpected ERA and a 3.84 fit. So he's had some uh, bad luck for sure. Bailey Ober, on the other hand, for the Twins, I think he's having a very low-key good season. 57 and two-thirds innings, 2.65 ERA, 0.99 whip, 54 strikes. is just under a strikeout in inning. And he's perhaps due for some negative regression. 2.65 ERA, but a 3.88 expected ERA and a 3.54 FIP. That said, uh, Boston does hit righties well, and Minnesota doesn't hit anybody well. They hit lefties terrible, like I said with Paxton. Uh, but Crawford's a righty. So I'm not on this game. I just can't get a good feel for it. I'm not laying minus 140 of Minnesota in their inept uh, offense. And even on the run line, plus 145, I'm not really sure they can get to Boston. Uh, if anything, I might lean Boston at plus 120, but I like over a whole lot more than I like Crawford. I like the back end of the Twins' bullpen as well, uh, more than I like Boston's. So total stay away from me. And even the total 8.5, choose to the over at minus 115. If anything, I would lean to the under. Uh, I think Ober can uh, keep them in the game. And the Twins offense, if it struggles like it always has, will keep uh, Boston – sorry, will keep Boston in the game just because it can't score. So if anything, I would lean to the under, but not on this game at all. Next game, 8-10 in the East in Chicago where the White Sox are hosting the Rangers. You can get the Road Rangers minus 130 in the money line, the home White Sox plus 110. Totally are 8.5, juicy under at minus 115. Not on either of those numbers, but I am on the Texas run line. Currently plus 125. I got it on DraftKings at plus 135 earlier today. I would play this 120 or better. Uh, and frankly, yeah, I think it's a Texas game to win. Uh, I think the pitching matchup leans heavily towards them. I'm trying to pull up the exact... There we go. For uh, two right-handers on the hill, two veteran right-handers, Nate Eovaldi starts for Texas. 93 and two-thirds innings, five point, or sorry, 2.59 ERA, 0.98 whip, 92 strikeouts. So a strikeout inning, very impressive. And Dylan Cease on the hill, 79 and third innings, 4.31 ERA, 1.34 whip. Let's dig a little deeper. So for Evaldi, 2.59 ERA, 3.12 expected ERA, and 2.85 whip. So maybe a little um, negative regression as outperformance numbers, but those are still very good numbers. Dylan Cease, on the other hand, 4.31 ERA, but 4.34 expected ERA, and 4.04 uh, FIP. So pretty much. Uh, uh, Produced in line with what you ex- what what he, what should be expected from his numbers. So he's had a decent year, great start, great great first outing, and a couple of really good games in between. But other than that, very inconsistent. So Alini Evaldi, uh, a fair bit in the matchup, but the numbers come down to the batting order versus righties. So both both pitchers are righties. Texas, two sixty six batting average, first in the majors. Chicago, 229, 25th in baseball. On base percentage for Texas, 334, tied for 4th. Chicago, 286, 30th, dead last. 
Slugging percentage, 454, third best in the majors for Texas, 379 for Chicago, tied for 22nd. Uh, weighted runs created plus, WRC plus, four, Texas against righties, 118, second best in ba- baseball, so 18% above league average. For Chicago, 81, 29th, second worst in baseball. So, no, Chicago's not hitting anybody well this year. They're definitely not hitting righties. And Texas is hitting everybody and definitely hitting righties. So I like the Rangers. Uh, I said earlier, if there's a, a DK profit boost out there, this might be a game I'll look at as well because I like them at minus 130, but I like them a whole lot more at plus 125 in the run line. So I might take a shot. I'll probably take a sh- – I'm, I'm on the run line at minus uh, one and a half at plus 125, but if I get any kind of boost, I'd probably take a minus 130. If this number for some reason moves – to uh, minus 120, minus 125. I would also be on Texas on that. Don't usually like to lay that kind of money. Uh, but right now I see at minus 125, 87% of the bets, 95% of the money. So the big money and all the bets are backing Texas on the Rangers. Uh, but I'm going to be on their run line here tonight. Next game, we head to Milwaukee, where the Brewers continue their series against the D-backs. You get the home brewers at minus 125, the road do backs plus 105. Total here is nine, juiced evenly at minus 110. Seeing only 66% of the money and 76% of the bets come in on the D backs at anywhere between plus 100 and plus 105. And also on the run line for the D backs, uh, 53% of the bets and 86% of the money on the D backs run line. I am on. The D-backs at plus 105. Got that on DraftKings. Also on Scorebet at plus 105. And I looked at this game for a long time and couldn't get my head around it. And then I started to dig a little deeper. And I definitely like Arizona. We'll get this for it in a second. Ryan Nelson starts for the D-backs. 71 and a third innings. 5.3 ERA. 1.54 whip. 26 walks. Just 46 strikeouts. So it hasn't been struggling. Giving up too many base runners. Colin Ray, on the other hand... Uh, for Milwaukee, not on the other hand, but starts for Milwaukee, 57 and a third innings, 4.71 ERA, 1.26 whip. Looks a little better. You dig a little deeper. It's not that impressive. For Ryan Nelson, 5.3 ERA, 5.33 expected ERA, 4.72 whip, uh, uh, FIP, sorry. So kind of performing what you would expect. Uh, for Ray, 4.71 ERA, 4.4 whip, 4. Point, sorry, I keep saying that. 4.71 ERA, 4.40 expected ERA, and a 4.81 FIP. So also performing in line with what you expect. So it looks like Ray's a little bit better pitcher this year. However, maybe true, but when we dig a little deeper on the offensive side, this is what I, and this is what I came to on tonight's game, which I won with Arizona. At plus 116, I think. Um, Sorry, Monday night's game on Tuesday. Against righties, and this is the difference for me. Against righties, Arizona has a 265 batting average. uh, Tied for second in in the majors. Milwaukee, 232, 24th. On-base percentage for Arizona, 334, tied for fourth. Milwaukee, 309, tied for 24th. And slugging percentage... Arizona 450, which is fourth best, versus Milwaukee 383, which is 21st best. 
And against righties, Arizona has a WRC plus of 110, which is seventh best. And against righties, Milwaukee has WRC plus of 90, so 10% below league average, and that is number 23. So a bit of a wash, maybe a lean towards Milwaukee in the pitching, but Arizona clearly, clearly gets the lean, a strong lean on the hitting side. So I'm actually going to be on Arizona plus 105. If you can get this any better, uh, plus 110, if it moves up to that, jump on it. Anything plus money, I'm on Arizona uh, tonight in this game. Next game, we travel to Texas for what could be the pitching match of the night. I said that uh, Seattle against uh, the Yankees, Kirby against Cole's pitching match of the night. I actually think that is, but this is a close second. You get Houston Astros with Framber Valdez on the mound at minus 130. You get the road Mets at with Justin Berlander on the mound at plus 110. Total here is 7.5. Choose the under minus 115. If I need to look at the overs, I think. Um, I think Houston get to Verlander, but Houston's lineup's a little depleted, so I'm not really sure. It's just that every angle from this uh, on this game to stay away from me. Verlander comes in 45 innings, 4.40 ERA, 1.22 WHIP. Valdez comes in the lefty, 2.27 ERA over 91 innings, 1.03 WHIP. I bet against Verlander because I a couple days or a week or five days ago. As I said, he looks like he's been getting uh, hit around a little and not quite back to himself, and his age might be getting to him, and he basically proved me wrong. So he comes in with a 4.40 ERA, an expected ERA of 3.83. So clearly some positive regression there, but a 4.43 FIP. So kind of in line with what it should be. Valdez, on the other hand, comes in with a 2.27 ERA, but a 3.83 expected ERA and a 2.84 whip. So not really much to to read into that as well. I'm not really sure what way to go here. Part of me says uh, take the plus money with Verlander and the Mets because the Astros lineup is beat up. And with Jordan Alvarez out... Uh, not not hitting the way they have or have been expected to. But the Mets lineup is also questionable. Verlander has been questionable in the last few starts of the last game. He was uh, he pitched very well. So total stay away from me. Should be a good game to watch. Good pitch to do, I think. But a stay away from me. Second last game of the night is in San Francisco for an NL West battle behind between the Giants and the Padres. The Giants come in minus 115 on the money line. The Padres minus 105. Total here is 8.5, juice to the over at minus 115. And can't really get a good feel for this game either way. If anything, I lean towards the Giants. Uh, I don't see a huge sway in the money coming either way. Seth Lugo on the bump for San Diego. He comes in, hasn't pitched in a while. Uh, 41 and two-thirds Innings, 4.1 ERA, 1.37 whip. Not too far off his peripherals, peripherals uh, 4.9 expected ERA and a 3.95 FIP. And for the Giants, uh, Tony D, or yeah, I call him that. Anthony D. Sclafani comes in, 79 to third innings, 4.31 ERA, 1.18 whip. Uh, having a good year, 
4.55 ERA versus expect, uh, expected ERA versus a 4.31 ERA and a 3.83 FIP. So maybe been a little bit unlucky if you look at that. What I look at, though, is um, Giants lineup, and I just don't get it. They, they won today. They covered the uh, run line as well, and they really turned it around. I think they're up five and a half games now, second in the NLS, five and a half games ahead of San Diego, still tra- trailing Arizona. But against right-handed pitching, both these guys are right-handed pitchers. San Diego, 219 average, 29th in the majors. Giants, 249 average, 13th. So not great, but much better. Uh, on-base percentage for San Diego, 316, tied for 17th. 335 for the Giants, number three in baseball. Slugging percentage, which you wouldn't think the Giants are very strong at considering their home park. But they are uh, 430 again, 430 slugging percentage, tied for eighth overall. And the putter is 374, tied for 26th overall. So if you told me at the start of the year that the Giants' triple slash numbers would be well ahead of the Padres by late or mid to late June, I would have bet a lot of money that you were wrong. The WRC plus numbers against righties, the Giants 110, so 10% above league average. And sixth overall, Padres 94, so 6% below league average and tied for 18th. So I like the Giants here. Don't know that I want to lay 115. Again, they won the coverage tonight. Discofani's pitching better, uh, well, I think better than Lugo. But Lugo's had some pretty good success in the last couple of years. So stay away from me. If the Giants were to get a little better line, which I don't think they will, uh, might be on it. But uh, stay away for, from for me. Tonight. So we head to the last game in LA, the Battle of the City of Angels. Should be a good game. And it's also a battle of lefties. So for the home angels, you get lefty Reed Detmers on the hill, and you can get him at plus 125. The Dodgers behind their ace, Clayton Kershaw, at minus 145. Total here is 8.5, Juice Silver at minus 115. You can get the run line for the Dodgers at plus 115. If anything, I think I lean here to the Angels at plus 125. Kershaw comes in. 8-4 and four record. 82 and a third innings. 2.95 ERA. 1.11 whip. Very impressive numbers, but probably outperforming a little bit. 2.95 ERA, but a 3.51 expected ERA and a 3.63 FIP. So outperforming his numbers to some degree. Reed Detmers, 1-5 in the year. Terrible record, but it hasn't been that bad. 62 and a third innings, 4.4 ADRA, 1.46 whip. 76 strikeouts in 62 and a third innings, so doing well, um, getting swings and misses. When you look at his numbers, 4.4 ADRA, 4.34 expected ERA, and a 3.48 FIP. He's been the victim of some bad luck, and... Straight up, I think Kershaw is a better pitcher than Detmers. But I think Detmers, um, when I pull up his recent game logs, sorry to do this, great podcasting, I know, to sit and wait while I click through some game logs. But at Texas, one of the best offenses in baseball, last game out, they lost 6-3, but he pitched six innings, three hits, one earned run, three walks, eight strikeouts. Before that, against the Cubs, not a great offense, but decent. Five and two-thirds, five hits, one earned run, two walks, eight strikeouts. Before those, before those, he's given up three runs in his last three or four games before that. 
against Houston, Miami, Minnesota, and Cleveland. So average, below average offenses. Although Miami is very good against lefties, and he gave up uh, 10 hits, unfortunately, in five innings, three earned runs. But he's not pitched as poor his, as his um, high-level high numbers look. But then we get to the offenses. Hate to go against the Dodgers, but batting average. Let's get back to the triple slash lines. Batting average for the Dodgers against lefties, 230, 26th overall in the majors. The Angels, 266, tied for sixth overall. On-base percentage, 325 for the Dodgers against lefties, tied for 13th in baseball. For the Angels, 338, 8th best in baseball against lefties. Slugging percentage, lean to the Dodgers here, 469, which is the third best in baseball. And for the Angels against lefties, 436, eighth best. So pretty darn good as well. So against lefties, the Angels are top eight or better. So certainly a lean towards them. WRC plus against lefties, Dodgers are the fifth best team at plus 115. So 50, or sorry, they are 115. So 15% better than league average. But the Angels aren't that far behind at 113, seventh best. So the Angels hit lefties even better than the Dodgers. The Dodgers get some power for sure against lefties, which is a, the, the slight nod, uh, the slight lean for them. But other than that, they have been average to below average against lefties. Getting better, definitely getting better. But the Angels have consistently hit lefties. So if anything, I think getting plus 20, 125 with Reed Detmers and the Angels is the way to go. I'm not sure I'm going to be on there yet. Let's see where this number goes. I wouldn't be surprised if the public money, as it always does, comes in on the Dodgers, kind of like the Yankees and the bigger name teams, and drives us up a little more. When I look at, um, yeah, I'm seeing most of the money coming in the Dodgers, 79% of the money, 76% of the bets on the minus 140, minus 145 money line. I do not Cannot get behind that. And even the run line at plus 115, which is not a whole lot of juice, is 67% of the bets and 89% of the money. So might stay away just because uh, the pro money is obviously backing the Dodgers. But I just think Reed Detmers is being undersold and the Dodgers name is getting a few too many dollars coming in. So not really sure I'm going to be on that game. But if I am, I'm leaning towards L.A. Angels. At plus 125, plus 130, if you can find them any better. So hopefully you enjoyed the show. Hopefully you got some leans, some angles, a lot of plays today, uh, a lot of thoughts. And hopefully it's a good day in sports betting where you can make money, we can make money. And we have a great day in sports betting. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.